podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to United Hour, your one-stop shop for all things Manchester United. I'm your host, Nick. And I'm Imran. We are here. We've actually left it a couple of days, recording on Tuesday. We will be talking about the disappointing defeat to Tottenham Hotspur. We will also be obviously talking about the Mason Greenwood situation, which is covering the press at the moment. There is actually all sorts going on around the club at the moment. I mean, another story now coming out about the takeover, saying it's still on, whereas I think a lot of people had written it off. Uh, There's been the Women's World Cup and Lioness is going on as well. So, yeah, plenty to talk about on this show. Uh, I know on the last show in Rand, there was Colm and Jamie after our opening day win. And they were pretty negative, even though we won. So I wonder how they're both feeling now. We obviously came out that Tottenham match with a 2-0 loss. And everybody's piling in on United. Crisis is the normal thing as soon as we have a bad result. I personally didn't think the performance was as bad as a lot of the media are making out. I don't worry you on it. I mean, our first match was obviously a poor performance. We were lucky to get three points there. Then we go into this game and, you know, everybody's still going on about as if we played as badly there, which I don't agree with. But yeah, let's see what mm, you think. I mean, we weren't we weren't as bad, but I think that would be, that'd be a hard hard thing to achieve to be quite as bad as that Wolves game which was really dreadful uh we weren't good I thought there were bits in the first half where we were we were okay uh we created chances um but I thought the second half we were quite poor and really even though the XG said I think we won the XG I think just yeah it was at about two for us around 1.5 yeah, for Tottenham I don't think you can come away from that game saying we deserved to win really Maybe not win, but I thought it was a pretty even game. We had a much better first half. I thought they had a much better second half. And that's often what people remember. They remember, you know, the end of the game. And yeah, they were way better than the second half. I think the halftime XG was something like 1.5 to us and 0.5 to them. And then by the end, it's 2 to us and 1.5 to them. Um, We had to score in that first half, basically, and we didn't. Hmm. But but my issue with that is we know, well, everyone knows that goal scoring is an issue for us. We know that we're going to go into this season struggling to score goals. We're relying on Hoyland to come in and really hit the ground running when that's probably an unfair expectation on a 19-year-old lad who's just come from Italy, scored, what, like 15 professional goals in his life, 20 professional goals in his whole life, and asking him to come here and score, what, 15, 20, 25 goals, ideally. It's it's a lot to ask for him. And he, yeah, I'm not saying it's a bad signing. I'm just saying it's a signing that is more for the future than for this season so we, we it's well known that we're going to struggle to score goals so if we go into a game and struggle to score goals is that is that unlucky is that poor no it's just it's just where we are as a team um we know anthony's not going to be we're not going to rely on anthony to put the ball in the net he'll do it sometimes he'll do what how many goals he's got last season five or six seven eight something like that yeah, um, I think it was, yeah, he, he hit the post Bruno's finishing has become erratic very erratic now from where it was when he first started uh, where he could be relied upon now he's finishing either usually it varies between really good or absolutely dreadful and that header was dreadful Rashford obviously is probably our best finisher and even he can, can miss some chances so when you know going into a season that goal scoring is a problem when you know you're not going to take all your chances and then you go into a game and you don't take your chances can you say that's unlucky? I don't think so 
No, I, I don't think it's unlucky. I just more saying like I don't think the run of the game was as bad as a lot of people and a lot of the media are making out. Uh, as I say, I thought we started the game really well, at least the first kind of half an hour. But yeah, we had to score. That's when our chances came. We didn't take them. I totally agree that our major issues are still up front. It is still the striker position. I've said on the podcast that I still I'm not super. I'm excited about Hoyland signing because we need a striker and he's young with potential. But I really thought we needed a top quality, proven goal scorer to add into our team. It is still, for me, the number one thing that is missing. And yeah, maybe our scouting department have found an absolute gem and he will come in and surprise us all. But like you say, I think the expectation that he's going to show up and score 20 goals for us in his first season here is a bit much. And yeah, then the mantle passes over to Marcus Rashford, who had an absolute outstanding season last year, his first 30 goal season. He's been pretty open this already this summer. I don't know if you saw that interview he did with Gary Neville on the overlap, where he asked him, you know, where do you like to play? And he was pretty open and he said, look, I don't like playing up front. It's not my natural position. I don't get enough of the ball and that's what I prefer. Uh, but obviously I will do whatever the team needs to do. Um, so yeah, he wants to be back on the left. He does not want to be playing there, even though he does a generally decent job off it. I do think that he needs to be back on the left. But then the problem is who plays up front? And our options right now are either Jaden Sancho playing a kind of false nine. I know Anthony Martial played a few minutes at the end of that game. Whether he is match fit, match ready for this weekend, I don't know. But I would definitely be throwing one of those two in up front and getting Marcus Rashford back on the left for this Nottingham Forest game. I think Martial, well, I mean, I feel sad that it's 2023. 24th season, I still have to say, we, we need Marshall to come back in as that starting number nine because that, that just makes me depressed. But yeah, we need him. We need him to come back because Rashford's best position is on the left. I don't think he's been great up front the last two games. Canacho's obviously not been great, but that, that's fine. He's a young lad. You don't know, it, it's unreasonable to expect him to be great every week, uh, and especially when the team's not being great to ask him to stand out above everyone else is a bit much. Uh, so yeah, we really need to move Rashford onto that left. We need to get Marshall back up front as depressing as that sounds, for at least the three games that he's fit anyway. And then bin off Anthony to the bench and then sort this midfield out as well, which is completely porous. I think it's, I mean, there's no point We, we no point in us going for it. I think everyone knows, has seen how easy it is to run through our midfield. Spurs are doing it, Wolves were doing it. This, I mean, it is early days, obviously, Mount, Casemiro, Bruno, but from the early days, it does look like it's not working at all. Um, we're going to have to see a change anyway because Mount's now injured. So... Blessing in disguise, maybe, maybe not. Um, but I mean, I, I will not be surprised if Mount becomes a right wing option by the end of this season. To be honest with you, because this move, there's something, there's something wrong with the midfield. Um, just because, just Casemiro's just got too much ground to cover. Mount and Bruno too high, um, leaving too much space. Mount's obviously very good at the press, but it's just, it's just, it's so easy for teams to get through our midfield and round our midfield that it's, yeah, it's. It's not great. Yeah, I do think it's not necessarily about Mason Mount. I do think that Ten Hag has tried to slightly tweak and change the system from last season. Uh, you know, Casemiro has obviously been the main defensive midfielder. And I think whether it was Fred, whether it was Ericsson, were kind of a lot closer to him last season. And he seems to be moving towards having one sitting midfielder in Casemiro sending Bruno and at the moment it's Mount much further forward than we were set up last year having two kind of 
eight in a way, not really a ten. Uh, if you look at the average position charts, it does look quite different in the midfield area than how we were setting up last year. I mean, it's not a massive, massive change because obviously, you know, Fred Eriksson were like given license to push forward. But I do think he's been trying to go a slightly more attacking setup. And at the moment, it's not working. At the moment, like you say, Casemiro's left with too much to do on his mm. own. It means he needs help from either Bruno Mount or it then puts a lot more on your wing backs to be kind of helping well, yeah, out that's... around that area. That's it, isn't it? I mean, it's uh, Arsenal play with two number eights, City play with two number eights, but then their fullbacks come in inside to make it a box midfield, or even both come in and make it a three midfield uh, with your two centre backs um, deep and covering wings or whatever else. Um, but our uh, Wambisaka seems to just be staying high on the right. Shaw. Not a great start of the season either for one of our better players, but he's not coming inside either. So it literally is just leaving Casemiro by himself. Um, out of the two, you'd think you'd expect Shaw to be the one to come inside and kind of play that role, but he's not doing it at all. So, which makes me think that we're just relying on Casemiro to put out all the fires. And he, he I mean, he's not been great to start of the season, but I, I'm, I'm not one to write him off. I know Carragher said he's probably his legs might be gone and stuff. I don't agree with that. I think he's just a slow starter. I think we saw last season he was a bit of a slow starter when he came in and then even after his suspension, his first game or two back weren't great. Well, both yeah, suspensions. Yeah. I mean, definitely so the likes I'm, of Casemiro, I'm not about that. Rashford, there's a few others who did not have much of a pre-season because they played internationals after the end of the season. So they had extra time off. They only played one or two games uh, in that pre-season. So they're still kind of a bit in pre-season mode. And those two in particular, there's a couple of others as well who did not play that much. Whereas there's other ones like Martinez, for example, who played the whole of the pre-season. He was there and Varane because they weren't out on international duty, either through injury or retirement or whatever. Uh, so they're way more up to speed compared to the likes of Casemiro and Rashford. So yeah, I think that they're just a couple of weeks off hitting like full kind of pace. And that's what we're seeing over there. I am not worried about either of them. I think they'll be absolutely fine in another couple of weeks' time. It's more about this system. And is Eric Ten Hag going to stick with this slightly more advanced midfielder? Or is he going to go back to how we were more set up last year, which was a bit more defensive, hmm. a bit more kind of, yeah, setting up to contain the other team? And yeah, that is going to be interesting. It's up to him to find that right balance. Well, and we've had this kind of thing before. We had it under Louis van Gaal. We had it under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, where they came in early, set up quite defensively and got some decent results, then tried to go to more progressive styles. And it didn't work. It didn't work both times. But we had it We had it when Ten Hag came in that season. We lost our first two games of the season. And Ten Hag was quite pragmatic and changed it around a bit. And then we went yeah. on a bit of a good run. So to, to, to give credit... To Ten Hag, he is pragmatic when he needs to be. He obviously has a style that he wants to implement. He obviously has a vision that he wants to do. But if he can't reach that with the players that he's got, he will change it. And I can, I can see that happening. We do need, I believe, another midfielder to come in by the end of this window. I think going into the season with the midfield options we have is crazy. Um, whether that happens or not, I'm not sure. But um, it would be a, I think, if we don't get a midfielder in. I think you could have to class this window as a, a massive failure. Um, when it was looking quite good, to be honest with you, it was looking quite good. But yeah, I think the start of the window was definitely good. Getting in three players before the start of the season is the most 
we've done in ages. Yeah. And, you know, three good signings, all right, still question marks over Mason Mount. I think Onana I've liked, you know, some of the mm. balls he's playing already are brilliant. Um, but yeah, Mount, Hodgeland, we'll see. I think we're still needing to push a couple of players out to get a couple of players in. Uh, Ten Hag was pretty open about saying that Donny van der Beek and Brandon Williams at least are in talks to be leaving the club. We know that a bid was accepted for Harry Maguire, but then personal terms were an issue. So he is mm. obviously that. I wouldn't be surprised to see West Ham still come back for him or somebody yeah, well, else. So yeah, for his sake, you have to hope that he goes. I just don't see how it how it works. He wasn't even on the bench against Spurs. Yeah, I mean, so the, it's... A, a slight injury was mentioned. It's not clear. I think he's being pushed out. I think even though Ten Hagen in every interview is saying, you know, he's a good player, I want him to be part of the squad. I think he's giving him the clear sign that your time is up and he wants that money in to spend elsewhere. Um, yeah, and then, you know, there's a couple of others that could still go as well, but they're the main ones for sure. Donny van der Beek, Brandon Williams, they, I don't think either will bring in a massive amount of cash. The one which will boost our coffers is mm. Harry Maguire. But, I mean, there's still talk about McTominay as well, but I don't think we can afford to lose him, as you were saying. We're already looking lightish in midfield. I think we need to be keeping Scott McTominay as a squad option. I mean, it's what, third game of the season and against Forest on the weekend, we'll have one midfielder on the bench. Uh, and that, will be, that midfielder will be Scott McTominay, and he will have to come on because Ericsson can't do the full 90 minutes uh so it's it, it's ridiculous that we're in this position already uh um, well we do have i mean i think he had prepared for this season i think kobe minor was going to be a major part of the squad i mean that's ridiculous he was he, gonna... the man has never started a premier he's never started a premier league game i don't, he's got 10 I don't minutes think under it's his so belt. ridiculous for him to be a squad player no, he's no, only squad player. talking about him being fine. squad player fine. you know you're talking about him being fifth choice midfielder but you know yeah we started and we've got two midfielders down already it's, I don't think it's so crazy. Five midfielders for two places is not totally mental. And then, yeah, Bruno Fernandes can obviously play a deeper role if need be as well. But the thing with Mino is he's, what, he's 19, 19, 18, 19? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah he's yeah, the kind of player, you don't, want, you don't want to have to rely on him this season. You want him to bet him in, play him in advantage, advantageous games. And if he shines, yeah, then yeah, yeah, look, you, you he'll play more, league cop, he'll, you know, you don't, want him to, and... you don't want him to be, okay, we kind of need you now because Casemiro has been suspended for 15 games. So come on, come on, come on, Kobe, show us what you've got. I mean, that's that's very much the sink or swim environment that you don't really want to be putting a youngster in. Uh, yeah, yeah I'm not sure if I would put him as first kind of replacement for Casemiro, but I do know what you mean. Who then? Who is? Is yeah, it, first. Uh, I mean, Scott McTominay. Ultimately, Scott if, you, McTominay. if you look at our squad now compared to last season, We've improved our goalkeeper, 100%. No one can argue that. Our defence is exactly the same. Uh, literally exactly the same. Um, our midfield, you could argue, is worse, depending on what you think Mount is. I don't think Mount's a midfielder. I think Fred is a midfielder. And for all Fred's fault, he could be a decent midfielder. And we've lost Fred now. We haven't replaced him. We've replaced him with that, what I believe is an attacking a 10 or a winger. Uh, and then our forward line, yeah, it's better because we've got Hoyland and we actually don't know how good Hoyland's going to be. We are, even if he's not good this season, that's not fair because, you know, he's young, we, he's a long-term signing. So question marks over that. But, I mean, to do that, to go from a one one season to the next and you've not dramatically improved, you've dramatically improved one position is, is terrible. No, I, I personally think that Mason Mount is a step up from Fred. 
Uh, they're not playing the same position. I, I mean, I know we are playing they don't in the same. Play in the same. We, Mason Mount is a pretty flexible midfielder. I know he played in more attacking positions for Chelsea and maybe also for England. He was often playing more around number 10. He was. He was always uh, play ahead of... He'd always have Rice and Phillips behind yeah, him. That's true. Which is very it's defensive. Uh, for Chelsea, though, he has sometimes played more around eight. I, you know, you wouldn't ever call him a six. But yeah, I think he can definitely play around eight. He just has to find the right kind of tactical setup. He is a good player. You know, I play football with a Chelsea fan. He was absolutely gutted to lose him. Absolutely gutted. He said, you know, he's a damn good player. Uh, we have not seen that yet. And he also, I don't think he's a world beater, but I do think he's definitely a step up from Fred. So I think he has improved our midfield options. I uh, still a worry that if Casemiro, though, gets suspended injured, Who's the one? And at the moment, it has to be Scott McTominay. And yeah, that would be a worry for sure. Um, for me, though, striker is still the bigger problem. I mean, all right, if I said to you, you're only getting one player between now and the start of the season, are you going for a midfielder or a midfielder. striker? We, if we don't get a midfielder, this, this season could be very long. I would, I would still bring in another striker because I do not trust Anthony Martial to play even 10 games this season. I think putting all that on Rasmus Hoyland at this young age, and even he's coming in with injury issues, is a lot to ask. And I actually think our bigger need is still up front as a striker because I don't want to see Marcus Rashford playing there regularly. Uh, I want to see him on the left. That is where he's best. And we're taking a lot away by playing him in the centre. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think we will still bring in somebody else. There will be two, maybe three players who still leave before the end of this window. And we're surely bringing in at least one if not, maybe even two more new players. I, I, I don't uh, see being a striker. If Maguire goes, I think we'll get a centre-back in because you'll need one. And I think, I hope we get a midfielder. I'm not convinced we will. We'll look like we're going to get this reserve keeper from Turkey. Um, that's going to be a backup because Henderson's probably going to go to Palace. Yeah, well, actually, that's the other player who can bring us a decent amount of money is Dean Henderson. Uh, Nottingham Forest obviously haven't offered us what we want for him. And it looks like maybe Palace are getting closer to that valuation. So, yeah, well, let's see what happens. He's the other player who can bring us at least, surely, 20 million or something mm. like that. At least. Yeah, I would expect I would uh, expect him to go, especially with these noise that we're going to get this Turkish goalkeeper for 5 million. Oh, is he Greek, Turkish? I don't know. He's from, from Fenerbahce. Uh, so, I don't know anything about him. Yeah, though. he's just filling spots. <laughs> just filling he's spots. filling spots because Heaton's injured. And, yeah, we will see. Not too worried about that. I mean, we've not mentioned him yet. It will be this big, the second part of the show, Mason Greenwood, but it does relate a bit to here. I mean, I got the feeling that Eric Ten Hag probably thought there was a good chance that Mason Greenwood was going to be part of his squad this season. So that absolutely talks to the point about our strikers. How many mm. do we have? Who are those squad? I think he was given the impression by Arnold or whatever that Mason Greenwood is coming back. We're now clear that that is not going to happen. So I do think that now the club are going to be looking for another striker because, yeah, for me, that's still where we're massively lacking. As I said, that is going to be what we're talking about in part two of the show. We've kind of shied away talking a lot about the Mason Greenwood situation on this. I know Colm and Jamie covered it on the last show. I kind of avoided it a bit until things were kind of clear. But yeah, now we obviously have to talk about it. Uh, We will take a break there. And yeah, when we come back, it's going to be talking about Mason Greenwood. So we are back for part two of the show 
and yeah look we can't avoid talking it any longer <laughs> as i said we we've had chats in this podcast for months should we talk about mason greenwood should we not we kind of like now and again have chatted on it we've not gone into great detail but yeah now we have to there's you know there's been big statements coming out of the club this week there's been a lot of news stories a lot of opinions coming out of the media uh the official line just released a couple of days ago is that mason greenwood will be leaving the club uh, it's not clear where exactly he's going yet. There's been statements from Greenwood. There's been statement from the club. There was an open letter to the fans from Richard Arnold. There's obviously a huge amount of chat on this now. I mean, on redcafe.net, they'd also kind of closed most Greenwood chat until the last week or so. Now there's all sorts of back and forth. There's lots of different opinions. People get quite emotional because it's obviously a very controversial subject. Um. Uh, yeah. Look, what's your immediate thoughts on it all, Imran? Uh, thanks, thanks. Um, it's. <laughs> I think it's. I, I and I personally believe we've come to the the right decision. How we got there is uh maybe less good. I don't think the club have have been great over the last week or so, or even the last few months, really. Um, I do think the right decision has been made. Um, I personally thought it was a bit untenable him staying with us and being reintegrated. Um, it's it's difficult. Obviously, everyone's seen the videos, everyone's seen the text. I don't. I'm not here to tell everyone what they should think about those. That's for, for up for you to decide when you watch them, when you read the transcripts, when you see the pictures, etc. Um, I have my own opinions on it, and. That's fine. Um, you don't have to agree with me. You can agree with me. That's fine. I have my own opinions. What I would say to, in a general point though, is whether you want, if you if you wanted him to stay, if you want him to go, for the club, for this season, for the noise and the circus that it would generate for him to stay, it would completely distract from everything. It would be, it, Ten Hag would get asked about it every week. Our players would get asked about it. There'd be pressures on sponsors. It'd be the the whole the, our whole season would be defined by the fact that Mason Greenwood is on the pitch. And from a pure footballing standpoint, I just don't see how that is a healthy way to go about things. I don't think it's a healthy thing for our team, a healthy way for us to go playing about football. I think it's just for the best that he moves on. He can play football still. He just doesn't have to be with us. It's not like people saying, "Oh, we're ruining his career." We're not ruining his career. He can have a career elsewhere. Um, and ultimately, I mean, it's not for me to say, but for him, probably it probably is better he finds football abroad because in this country he'll just be vilified wherever he goes. Um, there are probably other countries where he can play, and he'll get less stick from the press because you know that's how that's how things operate. And ultimately, people will say, "Oh, you know, this sort of thing happens for players at other clubs, and they stay around. Uh, don't want to get us into any legal trouble, but." Um, there are certain players who have allegations against them now playing in the Premier League right now, and that's for that that club to decide. Ultimately, it's a bit different in this scenario because of the pictures, of the texts, of the mm. video. It's a completely different scenario, and also yeah, that is the big difference yeah. on this to everything: the pictures, the audio. That it's it's, it's a, a big lot difference. Of people and also, heard. what I would say as well is, we are Man United. We are the biggest club in the world. It's going to be more noise with us. That you that is that is part and parcel of being a Man United fan is that your club gets more noise about everything than anyone else. And 
case in point, the Wolves penalty last week, there is no other club in the known universe that gets as much backlash for when a decision doesn't go their way at home, in a home game than we do. And that is perfect evidence there. So if that's the backlash for a penalty, imagine it for something like this. So, so yeah, that's a roundabout way of thinking it's probably for the best. Well, another thing, well, I'll, I'll, I'll give it to you and then I've got something else to say. So go on, you, you, you can give your say. Yeah, look, I mean, I generally agree with you that, uh, you know, it's got to the point where the kind of negative publicity for the club, the distractions for the squad, and that's the men's squad and the women's squad that obviously has come into kind of spotlight because of this issue in recent weeks, that, yeah, it was just too much. And that's why I think at the end he had to leave. I think the club have dealt with it badly. I don't understand why it's taken this long. Uh, you know, on the timeline, some people might forget or not know that it was February when his official kind of police case was actually dropped. So it's been six months. I mean, I expected that this would all get sorted out this summer so that everybody, Eric Ten Hag, Mason Greenwood, the club, all knew what was happening going into this season, why it's dragged on into the start of the season and starts casting a whole shadow over the start of our season. I don't know. This should have been dealt with at the very latest in the summer. It was the perfect time to deal with all this. Um, the club obviously say they had to do an internal investigation. That is correct. That is the normal legal process in these kind of things. After you know the police drop their case, that is the normal legal process where a company then has to do their own internal investigation before deciding how to deal with their employee. It's taken too long. That's the biggest problem. And with a complete silence in the meantime, uh, nothing coming out. And, you know, now we get obviously statements from Mason Greenwood saying that, you know, I have not done the things that I'm accused of. The club now say that there's extra evidence that they have heard and seen that changes the picture of what the public has seen. I think the problem is because so many people, so many fans had seen the pictures, had heard the audio. Unless they hear mm. this extra evidence, you know, the club is saying there's a longer audio uh, that we only heard a small part of the audio. They're saying there's a much longer audio that puts the whole thing in a different light. But people aren't going to believe it. You know, nobody trusts our club anymore. This big part of the problem. That's a big part of the problem because of how a lot of things have been handled badly in years. People really don't mm. trust things that the club say. And when the club come out and say, look, there's a longer audio that we believe shows that he has not done any of these things that he's accused of. But really, because the first audio was out in the public domain, I think unless people actually hear that, they're not going to be prepared to yeah. change their opinions. And because people saw that audio, because they saw the pictures, a lot of people think he is guilty. Uh, he obviously says he isn't. The club say he isn't. But yeah, we don't know. We don't have all the facts as us. That's the problem for me always. And, you know, I said right from the beginning that I'm not comfortable with this kind of trial by Instagram. It obviously looks horrendous. It's obviously horrific. But yeah, there's more in, There's more evidence out there. We don't know the ins and outs of it because we're not given it. And obviously, Greenwood's partner, the accuser, retains her night right to mm. anonymity, uh, which is a big part of it as well. Uh, and then obviously after that, I think once it got to... They started being this rumour that he was coming back. Then we had, you know, there was a female fans group against Greenwood coming back who set up. I know it's prominent fans like Rachel Riley have been very scathing of the club. Even Gary Neville has said things have been dealt with badly. Uh, you know, 
lionesses some of our lionesses were getting bad messages online and all i think all this stuff combined just meant that the club realized that look this is a non-starter um i think the best way should have been this should have been announced a few months ago in the summer they should have sent mason out bare minimum on loan or if it was going to be a sale fair enough but yeah i think he had to go away from the club first i don't think there was the route for him coming mm. back uh, i think he's you know it was talked about a few months ago i remember talking to jamie at the start of the transfer window that yeah maybe he's being offered on loan and i think that would have been the best way go out on loan abroad first of all prove that you're even up to playing again he hasn't played for 18 months we have no idea what state he's in physically mentally doesn't mean that he's going to just come back and he's going to be the same player you know you see other players struggle mental with mental issues we've had rashford we've had Jaden sancho ourselves you mm. don't know if a player is not going to just come back and be the same again but yeah look the club could definitely have dealt with this better that is the problem but i do at the same time i know it's a very difficult situation it's not things that they're that used to dealing with uh so kind of feel a little bit for the rights of arnold you know i don't know i don't think there's any great way of dealing with this kind well, of thing so it'd be everyone should probably go read um the stuff that adam crofton 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 has been putting out uh, in the athletic it's some good insight into what's been going on at the club and how they've been operating it um i think there's a few things i do think the statement that united put out has de- is definitely been done with the idea with Greenwood in mind in the fact that they don't want to kick up a fuss. They don't agree. I mean, Mendy's suing City, for example. I don't think United want to get into a situation with that like that. I clearly think there is, you know... We had probably told Greenwood in the summer, okay, you're coming back into the, the team. And, I mean, going back, I genu- genuinely, I've got no proof of this, I genuinely believe it was a Glazier's call. I think the Glazers have just looked at this and thought, yeah, he's coming back. He's worth X amount of money on our books. He's coming back. So, like, go on Arnold, find a way to do it. And Greenwood's obviously been told at some point that he's probably coming back. Um, so now we've changed that mind. I think we, we're putting out a statement with him in mind that we don't, you know, we, we A, find a way for him to continue playing football elsewhere. It wouldn't, wouldn't be great. It wouldn't be good for, for us to just come out and say, you know, to condemn him and then say he's not going to play for us anymore. It's better for us to build him up and then we can get, we can like get a sale or get a loan. And I think, yeah, just I can imagine Greenwood party greenwood's crew just saying make sure you put in the line about him being not guilty of the charge and then and then for us it's just like yeah whatever we just want to get rid of it i think uh is that the best approach probably not but i like you said it's uh it's not something that we do all, all, every day and w- one thing i would say is yeah we've done an investigation i don't think we put we, did, we didn't bring an external party in to do that investigating um we didn't bring a third party in, which you'd think you'd want to do. Uh, it's all been a bit of a mess, really. Uh, so I think there's lessons to be learned. I think, um, no, again, like you said, no, nothing comes out. No one comes out looking great. But, I mean, yeah, obviously people have very strong opinions. Uh, I would ask everyone to respect other people's opinions. And it's very emotive, like you said. But ultimately, it's just a footballer at the end of the day. And he will play football elsewhere. We will move on as a club. We'll have other footballers. It's it's not the end of the world. Yeah, and obviously he's a young guy. He's back with his partner. They have now a baby together. Uh, and yeah, you think about her, the child, and you know how it can affect them as well. And I guess that's why they don't want to be putting out all these bits of evidence and stuff because you know it's obviously going to have massive impact 
back onto her, the child and things like that. Uh, so, yeah, you can kind of understand why possibly they don't I mean, want to be it's, releasing it's anything. It's all just guesswork, isn't it? We don't, we, we, we don't yeah, know, we don't know we don't, what no, that, we don't, know, we, we don't, we don't know. know if that evidence even exists, if they're just saying that it exists, we don't know anything. And ultimately, that in, 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 in which world it's totally fine for someone to draw their own conclusions from the evidence that is out in the public sphere that is totally fine if someone wants to draw their own conclusions from that that is totally fine you are totally within your rights because it's very emotive it's a very obviously it's a very difficult thing to watch and hear so if you are drawing your own conclusions from that, that's totally fine i have and i'm comfortable with that and i don't think you should vilify anyone for coming up to their own conclusions of whether or not mason greenwood did x y or z um it's yeah it's not it's just not it's not fun to talk about is it no, that's why we've avoided talking about it. We obviously had to now. And yeah, it's still not so comfortable talking about these kind of things. You know, we're supposed to be a football podcast, chatting about the match, doing a bit of analysis, uh, falling over ourselves when we lose and talking about the transfer window. But yeah, unfortunately, these things mm. are a big part of what's going on at the club yeah. at the moment. So yeah, we have yeah, to but chat like, about Like I it. said, if, if you are in the camp that you wanted Greenwood to stay and you're really upset and annoyed and angry that the club have, have, have let him go, I, I would just ask, I would just say, think about whether it was, have a think of whether it's worth, whether it's worth it. Even if you believe he's, he's innocent of everything, whatever, is it actually worth it in, for the club in the long run to keep him around? I just, I just don't see how it is. Uh, yeah, and that's it. That's all the things that have come out, as I said, different fan groups, fans and yeah, outrage on Twitter and things like that, which you'd hope didn't affect these kind of things. But unfortunately, in this day and age, it does. You know, the club have to take into account what's going on, one for their kind of club image, one for sponsors. You say, you say, you say unfortunately, but, I think there is a there is a there is an element to the fact that fans I mean, obviously it's not great if it goes too far, but there are there is the element that fans do get a say in how things operate. Obviously, we saw it with the Super League. That would that very much. Yeah, but I have an issue with things like Twitter and all, where there's anonymous people. You don't know who's a fan of who. What's people are trolling? You know, if they came and did a poll of season ticket holders to gauge what Man United's fan opinion is, I'd be cool with that. Uh, you know, I would understand. I would think something like that would be good. But when like opinions on Twitter and what are taken into account, then I, you know, people have been negative about our fan base because of things so-called Man United fans on Twitter have been sending yeah, to the, some the, of our yeah, that, that's, players. That's ridiculous. But do we know mm. they're Man United fans? Do we know who they are, where they are? You know, it's just random people and accounts on Twitter, and that's where I have an issue with it. As I said, if like you know, you're not seeing any of these. I, nobody I know is a season ticket holder is going around sending abuse to any like yeah, no, that's, or that, anything that's like that's the, that. the dark yeah. side i'm not talking about that i'm talking about more the you know actual fan groups and actual oh, yeah, yeah, authorities yeah. Look, if things come officially from must or you know the red army who are official groups who might be able to canvas their members then yeah i think those things are interesting and of course there is a fans forum people give their opinion but yeah, that's why sometimes things that happen on social media are given too much weight. But nowadays, that is the way things are, you know, for the club. And more what you said as well, how it affects the rest of the squad, how it affects the feeling inside the dressing room. You know, these things are important for the like the kind of team. And if it's becoming too much and it's becoming too much of a negative influence, then yeah, that's a big reason why the club can't bring Greenwood back in. But I said, I think they could have handled it differently. I think there could have been a different route, I think. If it had been done in that way, maybe there would have been a route back for him. But 
the way everything's gone, I think it is the right decision. He has to go. He has to go and resurrect his career elsewhere. And I think, yeah, there will be clubs who will be willing to come in for him. It's still not that clear as well. Because first of all, the club talk about kind of mutually terminating the contract. I mean, and to me, initially, that means he's free to go. He's free to do what he wants. But now it seems kind of clear that it's not that situation that the club probably are going to be having a say in where he goes on loan or for sale and he is still actually contracted well, yeah, to Manchester United. For, for him, I don't think he want to lose any income because it could take him a while to find a club depending on who's in for him, where it is. I think I, there was some something I heard where he wants to stay in England. I, I don't see how that's tenable for him. I don't, I don't, see, any cl- I don't see any Premier League club going for him. I don't I, see any uh, championship club. I think some might I, be I, interested, no. but I think it'll be bad. I think he should go abroad. It'll be best for him. Uh, it'll be best for his family to get away from all this stuff. Yeah. I I think yeah I think he has to go and he ultimately has to go abroad. I mean and that's I, why I, I, yeah because yeah, the, the feelings that we have as United fans like I, I personally my feelings I wouldn't have been comfortable seeing him in a United shirt running around the pitch cheering him on at Old Trafford. Other fans of other clubs will have that same feeling if he goes there if he goes to an uh, Everton I don't know Everton Everton need a striker if Everton went there I'm sure there would be uproar there. So I, I just I just don't see it happening in this country. Um, no. And yeah, when yeah. I'd heard maybe maybe, this... maybe I'm not, I'm not ruling out ever. I think maybe in five years' time, who if he's rebuilt his image or people the, the club just don't care about you know taking that hit. There will always if he comes back to this country, there will always be you know the stigma against him. There will always be talk and you know and yeah, he's I also come think noise, that, but, you know I yeah. also think that that is correct because he himself has also let's be fair admitted that he has made mistakes. You know, we're not clear what those mistakes are. We're not clear about anything. Yeah, 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 yeah. Obviously, we're not clear about anything at all. Every detail of this is all very murky. We have not been privy to all the information. Uh, As I say, the club have gone out and said he's not guilty. But at the same time, they do say he has made mistakes and that he does deserve some kind of, of, you know, negative outcome because of that. Uh, So, yeah, look, anyway, we will see where he ends up. I thought when I heard initially that they were talking about sending him out to Italy or somewhere like that or Turkey initially, you know, this was right at the beginning of the transfer window. I thought that was absolutely the best thing to do, just get him out of the country, get him somewhere else. And I'm kind of surprised that it's been left this late and the club wanted to now announce it now. But yeah, that's that, I think that is the big problem. It was left too late It was, and they've just not gone about it in the right way. And that's why it's still kind of dragging on with stories and all of that. But yeah. When I think maybe we get some news about where he's going, we might be able to move on from that. Well, yeah, uh, I mean, ultimately, this will now, now the way we've done it now, it'll be an ugly footnote, but it will be a footnote now. I think if he had, uh, he, you know, by the end of the season, you know, there'll be a full season, he won't have played for us, and it, it won't be, it won't define our season, hopefully. So, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, I think probably we can round off part two of the podcast there. We will come back with part three where we'll have a quick chat about the Lionesses. Uh, You know, obviously had a very good World Cup run there and Man United women's season will be restarting soonish. Then, yeah, we'll have a look ahead to the Nottingham Forest game on the weekend. Back for part three of the show here. Uh, Of course, yeah, there had been a lot of mention about the Lionesses in connection to Mason Greenwood and Richard Arnold himself in that statement, if people go and read it, said part of the reason this was all delayed was because basically he didn't want to impact what was going on with the Lionesses at the World Cup. 
But yeah, if he didn't want to do that, then he should have dealt with it way, way earlier. One, uh, deal with it way earlier. Two, don't draw the association. I mean, if yeah. you, if, if in the, I don't know, three weeks ago, you say we've decided to release Mason Greenwood, I don't think anyone's going to make connection with the Lionesses. I think they're just exactly two different pieces of news. Yeah, just left too late, too late. Uh, but look, let's look at more positive things. I watched a lot of this Women's World Cup. Uh, the Lionesses had a great run to the final. I didn't expect them to get that far, actually. Uh, but they had some big injuries with the captain, the top scorer, and a couple of other players out. I, so, yeah, I think for me, for them to get as far as that final was absolutely brilliant. Mary Earps, our own goalie, came out with the Golden Gloves and was the keeper of the tournament. There was, yeah, some decent performances as well from Katie Zellum had played the one game where we smashed China and Ella Toon scored a great goal in the semi-final. Um, so yeah, there's the Man United women's players were well involved over there. But yeah, Spain did win this tournament for the first time in their history. Unfortunately, there was then a lot of then controversy surrounding that Spain team. I don't know if you saw all this, where uh, the chairman of their FA basically in the celebrations, kissed one of the Spanish players on the lips. And now yeah. instead of talking about football, that's now the controversy about whether he can stay in his position on over that. So yeah, crazy stuff going on over there. And they had even pre-tournament been a lot of controversy where quite a few of the Spanish players had almost gone on strike. But yeah, they got on with it. They won this tournament. Our old player on your badger was well involved as well and had a good game. And yeah, it's a shame the Lionesses just couldn't go that step further. But it is historic. For them to reach this final, first England team since 1966 to reach a World Cup final. Lionesses obviously won the Euros. So, yeah, bring a brilliant run there. I mean, the time zones were not great, everything in the morning. But did you manage to catch many of these matches? I uh, didn't actually. Um, I, also, the fact that the Ashes was on at the same time impacted it yeah, a lot for me. Yeah, the start of the tournament. Um, yeah. I'd rather, I was, yeah, I was very much into, into the cricket this summer. But um, I watched the final, obviously, and I watched the semi-final. Um, I thought the final, I mean, it is a great achievement. And obviously, comes with being an England fan that you need some disappointment in life. You know, it's, it's all very rosy for the England women's team. You need the, you need the disappointment in there along with the along with the highs. In fact, the highs are too high for the England women's team. They well, to... my, you know, my daughter's yeah. the age where she's just the first time she's watching all this stuff. And she just thought that we win everything. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the no. Euros last time was the first tournament she ever watched in her life. We went to the final at Wembley. She saw us win. And she we kept rolling on to the final here. And as far as she was concerned, yeah, we win everything with the greatest team ever. Yeah. So now she started understanding that, unfortunately, sometimes there is yeah. big disappointment around watching England as well. But, uh, Spain were a, a total class apart though like yeah they deserve to win that deserve final. to win the bon matty in the middle of the pitch is like the female incarnation of xavi absolutely incredible footballer although she, interesting they got absolutely hammered by japan in the group stage well, they did have i think they made the six i think only six of the players who played in this game were in that game um but yeah i mean it, it surprisingly that did happen but you know Argentina lost to Saudi arabia in the world yeah. cup so you know these yeah, things happen yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah but, but, but bon matty was class um I mean, Barcelona have. I mean, most. Of, I think most of the team are from Barcelona, aren't they? Yeah, and a lot of them are from Barcelona. Incredible team. Who are the current women's Champions League uh, holders? Uh, also, a couple of our players play for Barcelona in the England well, team. Well, Badge has gone back there now, and yeah. So yeah, we have we well, have it was just Lucy signed Bronze, a... who made the big mistake that led to Spain's goal, who plays for Barcelona yeah. as well. Yeah, unfortunately, we've actually the United. I know the United women team have signed a striker from Barcelona uh, to fill yeah. the gap from that Russo has left. So hopefully she, she didn't have the. I think she scored a lot for Real Madrid, 
didn't have the greatest season for Barcelona. It's actually but... not Real Madrid. It's quite confusing oh. that there's another women's team that are called Madrid Femenina and they're not the Real Madrid women's team. Right. They're like a historic women's team that are from that area, but are not actually anything to do with Real Madrid. Okay, well, that's so she, Yeah, yeah. So now I think some people are making this, mate. But she was the top scorer in the Women's Spanish League two or three years ago for this Madrid team who are not Real Madrid. She then moved to Barcelona and has been a bit of a bit part player. They mm. are the kind of European champions and she's been more of a sub, so she wanted more playing time. And now, yeah, she's making that move. I think Barcelona didn't want to lose her. They wanted her to be part of their squad. But as I said, she wasn't getting enough playing time. So she is coming on now, Brazilian international, and she will be uh, Alicia Russo's replacement mm. up front for us. And uh, the big thing for United Women this season is that Mary Epps' contract's up out at the end of the year. So we don't want another... A Russo situation. Ideally, we want to. She's the best women's goalkeeper in the world, and again, not a player you want to lose. We've lost two of our best players this summer. Uh, yeah. You don't want to be losing another one next year. So it's another, another, another statement for the United Women's team if we can keep her. Um, but again, it might all come back. Might all come down to the takeover and how much investment's going into the women's team, etc. Well, I think that's a good segue into talking about the takeover. But yeah, we will talk about Manchester United women. Obviously, the World Cup's just finished, so their season is starting later. I've just bought tickets for November, where the Manchester women's derby will be at Old Trafford. So yeah, if anybody's interested, there's kind of cheapish tickets available for that. It's a good opportunity to get your kids introduced to football. I think you can get tickets for about 15 quid compared to, you know, you'd pay about three, four times the price to go to a Premier League game. So, yeah, that's going to be in November at Old Trafford. Um, so it, there's more transfer business needing to be done then. Yeah, we will cover that in the coming weeks. But out of the blue, after a lot of silence, there has been some kind of breaking, apparently, takeover news. Uh, we'll take it with a pinch of salt because it seems to come mostly from the sun. Oh, well, then it's absolutely nonsense already. <laughs> Move on. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> They're claiming that Sheikh Jassim has agreed verbally a deal to take over at Manchester United, that he's in due diligence and that it will be done in a couple of months' time. As I say, take it with a massive pinch of salt because these kind of time frames and things have been thrown up before. I remember when various outlets were reporting it was going to be done by Easter. Then they were reporting it would be done after the end of the season in the summer. And now they're reporting it's going to be done in October. So yeah, let's see. Let's see. At the moment, I'm not being too excited about this but things had gone very quiet on the takeover um but yeah again it's being said that Sheikh Jassim the Qatari banker has won the battle for Manchester United nothing is official the stock price at United has gone up a fair bit on the back of this uh an American hedge fund have come out and have taken quite a big position in us and the owner of that hedge fund was on Twitter saying that he thinks this deal is he's heard this deal is going to be done but it's in his interest to say that now because he owns a load of the shares and uh it'll send the shares up even higher so yeah I think that all this kind of stuff is pretty dodgy but yeah that's the way these things work. Um, so, yeah, we'll watch this space, see what happens. Like I said, we're coming up to uh, a year. If it, it was November where they first announced it, we're now August to end of August. They're saying October. That will have been a year since they first, Glazers first said they were looking into options. And, yeah, we still have no idea what's going on there. I hope it does happen. I did not expect to start this season with the Glazers still in charge. At least we have done some transfer business. But I do think we've been limited by kind of, you know, how much money is in the bank 
you know, I wonder if this takeover had happened earlier, would we have been looking at a much better striker than Rasmus Hoyland? You know, Victor Ossiman was for me, you know, somebody high up on the list, but he was always probably going to cost double of what we've played for Hoyland. And yeah, that's maybe limited us this summer. Uh, so yeah, we have to see how much that impacts this season. But yeah, again, as I say, it's news how solid it is. Whether it makes any actual difference, we have to wait and see. Uh, I mean, I'll 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 believe it when I see it. Is my line with the takeover, and it'll be my line right now. I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. So look, Saturday we've got Nottingham Forest. Uh, are you going to that game, Imran? I am going to that game. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I will be there for that match as well with uh, Alex, uh, who regular listeners from that podcast will remember, used to be a regular with us. And well, he's actually one of the founders of this podcast. Uh, but yeah, makes a, one or two appearances a season. And we call him the Anthony Martial of the podcast. Yeah, like I say, he shows up once or twice and then goes out in the injury room for the rest of the year. But yeah, he'll be at the match with me. So yeah, we'll see if we can drag him on for a pod after that. Uh, yeah, I didn't go to the first match of the season. So yeah, it's the first one for me this year. I will hopefully be going to a lot more matches this season because uh, I have moved back to Manchester after living many, many years down in London. So yeah, I am looking forward to a better season at Manchester United because I will be back in much more regular rotation than I have been. I know you've always been the most regular of our lot at Old Trafford because, yeah, you obviously go to nearly every match. But, yeah, I'll be there for most games back now this year as well. Yeah, I can retire from the pod now. Um, the big <laughs> the big change you'll see at Old Trafford is that they, they, the scoreboard moves past 90 minutes now, which which threw, uh-huh. which threw me uh, at the Wolves game. Because usually I uh, I get my foot... Well, usually when it, the, there's, if it's tight and the injury board goes up, I usually get my phone out and start timing injury time because I can't deal with not knowing how long has gone. Uh, but it's on the scoreboard now, so there you go. So it's supposed to be some like new fancy Wi-Fi. Is that working? I, I didn't try it because I've got five G now. I've upgraded to the five G world, so you know I, can't, I don't need the five. Don't need the Wi-Fi anymore. But actually, the signal. What I can actually get on the Match Day Discord, Match Day Disc Plug. If you contribute to us on Patreon, you can get involved in our Match Day Patreon. We only ask for like a quid, so it's, it's, it's well worth it. Just to, it's a good place to talk about the games when they're on, and we've got a good bunch of lads in there. So get yourself on that, and um, and yeah, so I could actually get on the Discord for a change during the game. So yeah, no, it's... we we used to allow Imran to send us messages on WhatsApp because the United Wi-Fi wasn't strong enough for him to get on Discord while he was in the ground to ask us, was it a penalty? What what happened over there? But uh, yeah, now yeah, all right, that that is an advancement if you yeah. can make that work. And yeah, you're in the stretch end so there has been a new standing area put i guess to your right where the kind of red army are i don't know if you notice much difference i mean i know that area was pretty good for atmosphere and all already but yeah that this summer they've put the second standing area in old trafford around uh, i didn't i mean they all stood anyway yeah, i, did, to I be didn't honest. notice to be fair i'll have a look uh this time but um yeah, I'll have a look. It was, I mean, the they all stood anyway. Well, the atmosphere wasn't great at the Wolves game, uh, admittedly, but I feel like the club, the team didn't give us really much to shout about. I thought it'd get better in the second half when things got a bit nervy and tighter. Um, but hopefully, I feel like Forest will be more, a more comfortable game though. They've had they have had a decent start to the season. Well, yeah, they lost two one to Arsenal well, pushed them first at the day, end. so pretty close. Yeah. yeah, pushed them, and then they beat Sheffield United the other day. Uh, although, yeah, surely Sheffield United are one of the kind of mm. no-hopers of the league at the moment. But they, but, uh, they got tight, uh, they, they got a one-year scoring, 2-2. Uh, yeah. um, they got some, you know, decent players. 
is why. Well, they've got Alanga. He got an assist Alanga in the first come game. Back to so us, he's so over there. It's not going to be. I mean, last season we had a pretty good run against Forest. In you know, we played them three times, won all three. Yeah, we played them in fairly. the Carabao. Oh, so we well, played them four we? times. Sorry, we played them four times yeah. and won, won comfortably every single time. Uh, so, I, you would expect to win. Um, I'd be interested. I to... think they're a bit more of a settled team now. Yeah, Because last year they had so many players, and every week he was throwing out different ideas. So now they are a bit more settled, and definitely he's done a pretty huge. I mean, I think he did a great job to keep them up. Mm. To be fair, and uh, now he's got a bit more of a settled squad there. I don't think they've bought twenty players this no. summer, and they got rid of Lingard, uh... so you know, bonus. Yeah, in fact, he's not shown up anywhere else yet. He's still out there and available. We thought that Dean Henderson would be going there, but the club have not agreed over there, so he's not. They've got uh, Matt Turner's. Yeah, like, Arsenal's number two for ages. Oh. Yeah, he's yeah. there. So I mean, they're they're a, they're a decent side, but it's obviously a side we should be beating at Old Trafford. Uh, it's I mean, we've uh, got Ar- Mount will be injured. If you, Ericsson comes in. Right? Ericsson There's comes no straight option. in. You'd think. Um, I would I would like to see Anthony come out. I think he's been. Dreadful these first two games. For who? For a traffic cone would be suitable, I think. Um, no, but Sancho. Sancho's been all right coming off the bench the last couple of games. Wouldn't mind to see Sancho. And I, I'd, I'd, hopefully we can get Marshall to run around the pitch for 60 minutes. Um, I'd like to see Marshall come in so Rashford can move to the left. Uh, maybe put Dallow in at right back. Although one second has actually been one of our better performers the last two games. But I didn't just... I always feel like if, you, if you, we play two poor games in a row without an unchanged eleven, I think it's I think it's always good to freshen it up, um, especially after a loss. So I would like to see some of the well, like some of the say, players. There is going to be minimum one change, we know for sure. And uh, I well, Rashford on the left is an absolute must for me. Then I don't know if Martial is ready to be starting a game. If he is, then I would put him in. If he's not, then yeah, Jaden Sancho, false nine. He seemed to do a relatively decent job in pre-season, although, you know, things can look good in pre-season and it's completely different once you get into an actual proper Premier League game. But yeah, for me, I don't want Rashford up front anymore. Anthony has not been great, uh, although, you know, he did hit the post against Tottenham. He, he always seems to have that one or two moments, but has not ever consistent enough. We said last season, his decision-making is always the biggest problem. Yeah, He needs, that is his biggest problem. He gets in good positions and uh, he can have a good shot. He can have a good ball, but he does not make the right decision. And that is where he falls down completely. I mean, the one thing he does give you, though, is a lot of hard work on that right side, kind of defensively. You know, I remember a couple of times last season where we were criticising him. He came out the team, whether it was through form or fitness, it was actually more due to fitness because Eric Ten Hag tended to play him and you kind of saw them we were a lot more open on that right side because uh, you know the other option is Palestri you know I like Palestri there has been rumours that he might go out on loan I I, I want to see him yeah. get more of a chance well, whenever he comes on he seems to look he seems to have something about him yeah I would have I'd have said start Palestri but there seems to be rumours that he's going on loan to Sheffield United so if he's going there then obviously he can't start on the right wing for us but I would happily start him ahead of Anthony at the moment um, he's had a bit yeah I mean if uh, I mean Ahmad Diallo is obviously injured at the moment so I think that's the thinking yeah. there that I think he's probably ahead of Palestri on being a kind of right wing option and maybe that's why Palestri is being looked at to go out loan but at the moment Ahmad is not available so yeah for me I'll, let's give Palestri a chance I think I think that is the only reason he doesn't he trusts Anthony to do that teamwork more than somebody like Palestri, whereas Palestri could maybe, you know, he'll run at a player, take him on, 
can he do all that tracking back? Can he do the hard work? Yeah, we have to see. Uh, and, you know, sometimes you seem to somebody like Garnacho looks brilliant when he comes off the bench, doesn't look as great when he's starting a game. So, yeah, I think maybe at the moment players like Garnacho, like Palestri, are great kind of impact subs from the mm. bench. Uh, and, you know, you go kind of more solid for starting, but there should be, yeah, bare minimum, yeah. a couple of changes. And then, yeah, we see where we I go mean, from there. Got, got, yeah, but look. We've got Arsenal straight afterwards, so we really have to start getting some things right in this yeah, game. Arsenal away. Um, well, I mean, one, we have to win. Uh, and two, you, you want to see some better football, some better cohesion. Just looking like a better team now because that Arsenal's game is going to be tough if we're not in a decent position to go into it. No, and I say, look, obviously that Tottenham result was very disappointing. I think the fallout was a bit too much because I don't think we actually played as bad as people made out. It just was that we had a decent first half and because they had a decent second half, everybody kind of remembers more of the kind of second bit of the game. Um, but yeah, we we go out like that first half. We will definitely beat Nottingham Forest in this match for sure. Uh, I mean, yeah, we see what the changes are. We will come back after that match over there. I have to push you, Imran, because I promised all our listeners that we were going to have an Imran stupid game quiz this summer, and it hasn't happened. Uh, but so yeah, we still have to get that sorted out sooner I'm or later. Ready. We just need we just need we need two people, and we need me to be around. I've been uh, I've been uh, I've been unavailable yeah. this summer, so uh, yeah, now I'm back. So yeah, we'll we'll get one sorted for the listeners. Yeah, yeah, you have. There's, there's been a lot of hectic, you know, like I said, I've had a lot of stuff with house move and stuff like that going on. It's why we haven't managed to do all the things we always wanted to do. But yeah, we will get you uh, the nice quiz Imran Stupid Game in a show ASAP. Uh, as I said, yeah, both myself and Imran will be at the match on Saturday. You will get our thoughts on this early next week. And yeah, there's still a bit of that transfer window. When does the window It'll close? Be next... I think it's next Thursday, isn't it? Yeah, next Thursday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But before the Arsenal yeah. match. Basically. Yeah, but I, I yeah, just saw, look, Lookhurst has said apparently we expect one more incoming and one more outgoing. I don't know if that includes the goalkeeper situation because if it did, that would be very disappointing <laughs> if the one incoming was the reserve I'm keeper. expecting at least three outgoings minimum because, uh, but, I'm, but I'm including Van Der Beek, I'm including Brandon Williams. Uh, they'll, they'll be some yeah, of the I think Henderson well Williams and Van Der Beek will definitely go out. I think we'll get this reserve keeper in. It's whether we can get that midfielder in. And that's right. I don't see it happening, but um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't see that happening. But we'll, we'll reconvene. We'll reconvene next week, Thursday, on that one. Yeah, yeah. Let's see where we're at with it. Uh, but yeah, that is all from us for this week. And yeah, we will be back on the next one. As uh, Imran mentioned, a lot are joining us now on our match day Discord. Oh, yeah, do check us out on Twitter, on, well, on Instagram and Facebook, where we don't post as much. It's all about Twitter. We are even blue tick approved nowadays on Twitter. So, yeah, we sold our souls to Elon and joined the X bandwagon, I'm afraid. But, yeah, we're, go and check out our Twitter as well if you haven't already. And, yeah, look forward to chat with them. Well, I won't actually be chatting with you match day guys for this match because I'll be in Old Trafford and unlike Imran, I don't, I don't get on that Discord when I'm in the ground. Uh, but, yeah, you might hear from Imran live from Old Trafford on Saturday. But yeah, we will see you back next week. See you. Good Cheers. night for now. Thank you for listening to United Hour. Remember to follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at United underscore hour. 
please take the time to leave a five-star review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. United Hour is brought to you by the Sports Social Network and our theme song is by Ancient Feelings. To get in touch, please email unitedhour at gmail.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.